So I'm Pam, uh, at Pamasaur on Twitter. I'm Dravon, at Dravon on Twitter. I'm Len, I'm Ignew, all over the internet. I'm Justin Campbell, on, also on Twitter. And I'm Brian McKenna, I'm at Puffin Fresh on Twitter. How did you come up Brian, with that I name? Brian, I actually, I forgot that you had an accent. Yeah, it's I'm been Australian. A while since I talked a, to you. It's, it's a thick accent as well, which is a problem. <laughs> is it a problem? I mean, it's okay. <laughs> it's yeah. a problem if I want people to understand me, yes. <laughs> it has been a problem many times. You know, I actually, I ran into, I went to a an event uh, the other week where Sandy Metz was speaking, and for some reason I ran into the cluster of Australians. Mm-hmm. Uh, and We're around. My... And my friend, my friend Jed was saying that that he said that Australians are to New York as rabbits are to Australia. And I learned that there's a problem mm. with rabbits in Australia. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. did not know that. Yeah, we're everywhere in New York, supposedly. Yeah, and that I'm, rabbits. I'm actually are... going to New York on a Friday for ComposeConf if if the blizzard doesn't doesn't destroy those plans. Um, there's no blizzard. There's no blizzard in in in, uh, in New it's York. At the in moment. New York, yes. In New York, not feeling. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so that's going to be fun. Um, I'm really, like, last time I went to New York, there's, there was uh, Australian meat pies everywhere. I'm actually vegetarian, so I get the vegetarian versions. But, yeah, I'm really excited to get some pies. Oh, oh yeah. Vegetarian buddies. Yeah. I'm vegan. Uh, apparently, our podcast, one of my friends is saying that we talk too much about vegan versus paleo <laughs> on our podcast. <laughs> I think that's how we started like the last five, five episodes. <laughs> so how did you come up with your Twitter name? Pretty uh that's a great question i'd have to go back to when i was 13 to to answer that question i can't did you, you make twitter your when twitter you when you were 13 no it's just a name i've been using it's just oh, a, okay. a online name i've been using for a long long time once you use it one place you're stuck with it everywhere basically that's true otherwise it's really confusing but everything that i did when i was 13 i kind of like threw it away though i i scrubbed a lot of that from the internet yeah you don't really want to be known like from when you're 13 yeah, although there is an awesome series of people reading things they wrote when they were teenagers. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, they do live readings and stuff. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I will say your accent makes the uh, gives you a lot of cred as a functional programmer, at least to my. <laughs> there's there's like a every- lot of there's a lot of Australian functional programmers. It's it's really interesting. Uh, Brisbane, where I'm, where I grew up, is uh is is kind of a hub for functional programming. It's probably there's a, there's a really good uh, functional programming group called the Brisbane Functional Programming Group, and yeah, it's 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 really good, high quality. Whenever I listen to a podcast about functional programming, it's always somebody from Europe or Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, nobody does functional programming in America. Yeah, it's kind of sad. <laughs> is that why you moved? I, I'm actually in Boulder at the moment. Yeah, oh. um, I was. Uh, I actually came over to work for a company called Precog, and we do we did a lot of uh, functional programming in Scala, which is not a great tool to do functional programming, but but we did it. Why is that? Why is Scala not a good tool for functional programming? Yeah. It's just a lot of effort. Um, Scala, the compiler, Scala, the language doesn't really help you out to, to do functional programming. Um, it kind of works against you in a lot of ways. The standard library doesn't really help you very much. Um, there's things like if you want to do, uh, you have to use trampolining to try and do some things. Um, and uh, it's just, it's just either it's, if you, if you do it, it's really slow and the compiler doesn't help you do it. And Scala, Scala Z, whatever is that supposed to be that better, right? It's, it's Scala, Scala Z. Zed. Scala Z. Ah. It's from Australian, so it's <laughs> so it has a Z. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Scala Z. I mean, it's a really good library. Um, it's better than like the Haskell Standard Library, for example. Um, what is Scala still- Z? Scala Z is a is a it's just a library full of functional programming. Uh, it's, it's kind of like a standard library for functional programming. Okay. It's like sorry for for JavaScript. Kind but, of, but a lot different. <laughs> it's 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 actually a very good library. I actually contribute to it a bit. What are you doing these days? Uh, I work for a company called Simple Energy. Uh, we take uh, people's energy. Sorry if you can hear my puppy in the background. Okay. Uh, you can uh, so we 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 sign up with uh, utility companies and uh, we get people's energy data and we present them and try and get people to use less energy. It's actually interesting because utilities want people to use less energy. For because they're overwhelmed. The, no, there's uh, that that can be part of it. Um, there's there's a concept called demand reduction where you try and like reduce the amount of energy people use during like a peak hour. 
Um, that's useful because then people don't, then the utilities don't have to spin up coal plants, for example, or go into more expensive things because they can't charge you extra for for spinning up extra extra power plants. Mm. Um, and so it becomes expensive for them to do it. So they they want to reduce your uh, your energy usage during peak hours. But also uh, they partner with uh, government agencies usually to get rebates. So if they can demonstrate that they've reduced energy usage, they can actually claim a percentage of that back. Uh, and, and and get paid for basically not doing anything except like I mean they they, they put they put money into programs like like our company but uh, they don't actually have to give use uh, energy to 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 customers. It's really interesting. Can you talk about that or no? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk? What What do you want to know about the? Uh, when he's like, this, what is low level and what made you pick Haskell? So uh, we have a problem of uh, so utilities give us they uh, you know utilities are, are kind of old school they they have a lot of Fortran uh, uh, mainframes and and stuff generating their usages like their usage uh, uh, reports and so they send the reports as files to us over FTP and so Haskell we we used to use uh, Scala library to try and. Uh, uh, detect when files are put into the file system and then try and process them. Sadly, the JVM isn't very good at handling low-level things like iNotify events, whereas Haskell's got uh, you know, direct C bindings to to handle iNotify events. When we were using the JVM, we'd get a file put in and we just wouldn't notice it for a, for a, like it just wouldn't get detected at all being put on the file system. When we moved over to Haskell, it just started working. Awesome. And there's a couple of things like uh, uh, we have an error reporting system that's written in Haskell um, just because we didn't have to use Scala. We, we try and avoid Scala as much as possible. <laughs> uh, sadly, most of the existing code is in Scala. It's interesting that you avoid Scala, but you go to Haskell. There's probably 100 companies that are avoiding Java to write Scala. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah, we go a little bit further. <laughs> Pam, how's your Scala course going? Well, the Scala course is over. Oh. So I did everything but the last week. <laughs> so I still have, I could always go back to last week. Maybe it'll be the first thing I do at hacker school is finish the last week of functional programming in Scala. You dropped out senior year. Yeah, I don't You're know. You're going to be a millionaire, Pam. Because <laughs> it's out. obviously an indicator. <laughs> it's not uh, because one person did it and found a Xerox. Then, but Xerox is one of the ones that's founded by a high school dropout. If I remember correctly, but facts aren't important on the internet. Facts. <laughs> if you say something on the internet, it becomes true. Mm-hmm. It actually. Um, so, so I kind of want to talk about the paper because I I want to immediately challenge Brian's assertion that the the conclusion is really cool because it is it. The second paragraph is kind of a WTF moment, and then it references Independence Day, the movie. So when you say that that the, awesome. the paper is hard to understand, understand, I was like, I don't think it's hard to understand references to the movie Independence Day. So what is the paper? Um, <laughs> so um, the WTF paragraph was about the Pioneer spaceship. I was like, I don't, I don't get this. Um, What's the title but, of the paper, guys? The paper is Propositions as Types, Javon. Did you read it? I think you read it because you said that it was hard. I did read it, but I want, we, we need to tell people what we're reading. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that's what you do in audio <laughs> format. Um, but, and also, so I had a question because I think since, so, so Brian, you, you assigned us our homework with this paper. And so it, this says that it was. So is this published or submitted on in November of 2014? So this yeah, it's is pretty, pretty new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I chose it. Uh, he, so, so Philip Philip Wadler has done papers very similar to to propositions of types before. Um, it, it, it's about the Curry Howard isomorphism, and he has done he's do, he's done papers the on who what? Wait, 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 wait. The, Curry Howard. Curry Howard right? isomorphism. That's exactly it. Okay, yeah. I got it. All right, um, cool. he, he has done papers on it before, um, and this is his most recent one. Can you explain the so Curry Howard? Kind of- Sorry, can you explain the Curry uh, Howard isomorphism? Sure. Um, so it's 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 describing that uh, given a logic and given a programming language, we can create an isomorphism between these two things. Um, so anything that we can write in the programming language as types, we isomorphism can actually... being a fancy word for samely likeness. Yes. Right. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, w- what we can do in one thing, we can do in the other thing. So we can write types in in one language in the in the programming language, and they actually form propositions uh, in in a logic. And not only that, uh, once we have a, a program given this type, then you can actually say, well, this is a proof to that proposition. And then not only that, this is the interesting part of the paper for, for me at least. This is the first time I actually heard about it. But when we go to evaluate a program, it's actually the same as the idea of simplifying a proof. 
So, so what we're saying is that in that, language yeah, and there are rules and got, it's evaluated. Yes, exactly. Um, so, sense. yeah, what we're saying is that a programming language, given a programming language, we can have a logic uh, formalizing the 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 the, ty the the types, the programs, and and how to evaluate those programs. And so we can, if we think about logic, we can actually encode logical propositions as types, which is really interesting. So, I I had a question that's a little more meta about the paper again sure. of the. So do you, I feel like I remember something that there's different kinds of academic papers mm -hmm. and that, because this isn't, so Wadler's not proposing a new thing. No, he's describing correct? like a historical. Uh, so really this is, I guess, this, is this a review? Or? I don't know what I, I mean, it's, it's, it's maybe, uh, it's, it's got a lot of history in it. Uh, it describes like yeah. how, how the Curry-Howard isomorphism came around, why it's important because it came around at a particular time. Um, and then it kind of describes how it's useful, uh, like describing how you can take conjunction from a from a from logic and then try and uh, make a type out of you know put translate into a programming language and try and make types out of conjunctions, uh, what we call a, a product. Um, and so it's kind of like it's I don't know it's 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 it's, it's historical, but it's also got a tutorial part in it as well. Yeah, I found that interesting. Did did any of you guys have other questions? Because I had a specific question that I thought could be interesting. Go for it. Go for it. Okay, so on, oh shit, I meant to number the pages. So reading an academic paper also reminded me of playing music where I felt like I should number all the pages and number all the paragraphs so that I could easily point you to what section I'm talking about. That's good. Um, all right, so section eight, um, Lambda Calculus, the next page, because uh, I assume that since we all had the same PDF, we had the same paging mm -hmm. that has the pictures on the side and the text on the right. Yep. Uh, one, two, three three, maybe four paragraphs down, when it says the program reads as follows. It actually kind of helped me to try and attempt to say this out loud. And I kind of, I, Brian, I want to ask you to say this out loud. <laughs> okay. The program so, reads as follows. It, yeah. From, from variable. There? From yeah. variable Z of type B product A, we form term okay. pi2 z of type a by product dash e2 I, it's it i'm not i'm not actually very good at reading reading a um mathematical notation um and i, I don't so even I know was, what I was actually, type of notation I was this curious is about that because i i read i was i saw the x and i was like cross <laughs> right you could say cross uh, it's um uh, so i know uh, that uh he's probably talking about uh products uh product types so that that's yeah, how i how i would pronounce it um yeah yeah. And what's the what's the dash? The dash. So oh, there's a the... product dash uh, e sub two. Yeah, I don't like, know what, what the dash, dash mean? represents itself. Subtraction. <laughs> no, it's not I big enough to be subtraction. subtraction. And the x is for multiplication. And then I, I think in elementary school for the for the about. arrow, I decided to call it a hash rocket, even though it's not a hash oh, so, rocket. So that's just it's just a name. Um, it's just so you can see on the left there's rules. You can see that there's a cross dash e two. Um, it's just giving a name to a particular rule. Oh, so the e two is a shorthand for describing the precedent preceding portion. Uh, yes, for the formula. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Brian. Interesting. Mm -hmm. You seem like a person that reads a lot of papers. Is there a place that one can go to, like, how would you go about researching, like, the mathematical notation science? Or, like, is there a place that you can go to? Or yeah, because I guess it's, yeah. Is there a cool comic, perhaps, that could teach me predicate logic syntax? <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, way I learned was uh, from a book called uh, Types and Programming Languages. It starts from the beginning, kind of builds up to show you how the, what the rules mean and, and how to use them. Um, that's, that's, that's for uh, programming-based papers, which is what I mostly read. Okay. Um, so I don't have a general rule for like how to find out these formulas. I have no idea. When I get into some deep stuff, I have no idea. Is there an IRC channel or something that you hang out in? I hang out on a lot of IRC channels, but nothing related to okay. to, to logic or, or mathematics, really. Um, I did, for some point of time, uh, try and uh, understand homotopy type theory um, using IRC. It didn't work out at all. <laughs> What IRC rooms do you hang out in? Um, so I'm in Haskell.au, which is a good channel. Um, the Australian Haskellers, and everyone else is 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 invited as well. Don't have to be Australian. Um, so are, do Z. you have non-Australians who who lurk do. in the Australian channel? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know. We do. Yeah. <laughs> Probably because it's a pretty good channel. Um, there's Scala Z, which I talk about. Uh, Scala Z, Scala stuff uh, every now and then. Um, there's Idris. 
I forgot. I think it's just Idris, uh, which is a dependently type programming language, which I uh, help out with a little bit. And maybe PureScript is probably the next big one that I contribute to, which is not very often at all, maybe once every couple of months. That's a lot of IRC channels. Uh, there's a lot more than just those ones as well, but, but those are the ones that I actually talk in every now and then. Have you heard of people starting to adopt Slack for their community channels? This has we recently been happening. Yeah. yeah? What do you yeah, think about uh, that? Because it is an- moving to... Because it's actually, I think in open source software, no one's really said this yet. I mean, I'm sure there, you know, are people saying it, but moving from an open protocol to a, you know, proprietary program is always kind of cagey. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind. I, I do like IRC a lot, but for some reason, I, I guess Slack's like a, a, an easier thing to get into, an easier thing to you just download. It's really, it really is just IRC, but more accessible. Exactly. I think it's prettier, so people are less scared of it. Yeah, I mean, I... You, can put, you can put images in there and see images and stuff. It's fun. I mean, I enjoy using Slack more than I u- enjoy using IRC. I find it harder to move around different channels. Like, I'm in so many organizations, I'm spending way too much time just switching from one to the other. Yeah. I don't like IRC because there's no persistence, and I find yeah. it really annoying for anything other than, like, I'm going to hop in this channel and ask a question and then leave. Well, there used to be like you mean that. the archive? Popular channels have archives. But archives are like useless for like getting caught up with like what happened. Right. Mm. right. There's no scroll back. You have to go to the archive yeah. server. And then there's like, am I right? There's IRC. IRC yeah, I IRC use an IRC bouncer. IRC bouncer? Yeah. So there's uh, one called ZNC, is it? Um, you, you just install it on like a server and it just uh, keeps you logged in all the time. And you, what you do is you connect to that thing and it, uh, it's basically like a proxy, but it's an always on proxy that always keeps you, you, your scroll back and everything. Uh, yeah, I guess what to say is like that five bucks a month and it use that app and it keeps you logged in. Yeah, some, yeah. IRC Cloud is another one that I used to use. Is there is like a high barrier to entry to having a pleasant IRC experience? Yeah, there is. Especially if you, you like mod a channel. Like I've never been able to remember like how to give somebody else. Um, I'm, I'm always like looking up like yeah, <laughs> free node that. commands for yeah yeah and the Nick serve and trying to authenticate it's yeah it's it's annoying um, but we have a there's a there's a really cool uh, group that started up called Idris 101 um, again I'm, I'm mentioning Idris because I really like it um, but there's a cool group and they just started using Slack and it's interesting which experience have you been with Idris like what do you use it for um so at the moment I'm trying to like rewrite my uh, my personal blog in Idris because I figure why not. Um, so Idris is a, a dependently type programming language. It tr- it tries to take this paper like propositions as types really seriously. Um, so you can encode a lot more propositions uh, in the types than what you can in, in for example Haskell. Could we explain dependent types real quick? Sure. Uh, so dependent types allow you, uh, everything is the same language. So in Haskell, for example, we've got a uh, we've got the type language and then we've got the value language. Um, and so when you're working with types that like you can't just add two types together, like you have to use a type constructor to try and construct a type of the right thing. Whereas in Idris, we can write a function that just works over types. Um, and we can also have values in the type. So if we define a natural number or, or let, let's say we, we want to put, uh, want to make, um, what's a good example? Um, we want to make sure, so let's say we've got a string of characters and we want to make sure that the string only contains binary. What we can do is promote the every uh, character in that, str- in that string uh, and, and promote it to the type level and just ensure, ensure that uh, for every character, it's either zero or one. So we can, uh, we can enforce more invariance than what we can uh, then in Haskell. Uh, one thing I've wanted, I've done like a little bit of Haskell programming, mm-hmm. and one thing I've wanted to express in a type is like, if I have a list uh, mm-hmm. as like or as input and then output of a function, mm-hmm. um, I want to like guarantee in the type that the list gets bigger or smaller. Oh yes, that's that's exactly what dependent types give you. Oh really? Yeah. So uh, the common example, like the first example you see when you start start searching for dependent types, is a is something called a vector, and a vector contains its length, so it's a list with a length. So you've got a vector of four integers or a vector of four strings or something like that. Mm-hmm. What you can do is, yeah, you can definitely write a function that says that uh, that the output type is, so it's a vector of n and you get a vector of m of a's and the m has to be bigger than n. Hmm. Yeah, so you want, you want dependent types. And that's what, <laughs> that's what Idris gives you. So you should definitely play around with Idris. I'd um, like to. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I, I, you can tell that I, I really like types. Um, and so... I'm trying to like dependent types have have a history, but they're not really made for uh, writing programs that are meant to be executed. Mostly, they're for like uh, proving uh, proving things, prov- proving mathematical uh, 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 
uh, statements. So Idris's attempt to try and make it so that it's possible to execute these programs uh, very easily. It does it by trying to make uh, dependent types that never had a history of being very efficient. So if you were to try and run execute dependent types on a computer, it would not be that fast. Idris tries to make it an efficient thing to do. So for example, uh, we have this idea of a, of a natural number, which is defined as uh, either zero or a successor of another natural number. So you get successor or successor, successor of zero, and that represents three. Um, that would, in, in traditional dependent type languages, that would just compile into like an ADT and use up uh, n amount of memory. So like if you have a large number, it's going to be very slow to, to compute. With Idris, it actually compiles down to um, an arbitrary precision integer. So it's actually a lot faster to use. Um, so just it just basically tries to make uh, dependent types uh, executable for real programs. What is Idris's relationship to Haskell? Is it um, its own... Like compiler, or do you need yes. Haskell to run Idris? So Idris is written in Haskell, um, mm -hmm. so you do need to have GHC installed and compile Idris with GHC. Um, but Idris compiles down to, to C code or JavaScript, so you can actually write uh, dependently typed JavaScript if you wanted to. Hmm. Um, and there is a little bit of a runtime when you when you compile down to C code or when you run compile down to JavaScript, it will compile down to a little bit of uh, of runtime that you have to include in your web page or or in, in your program. Okay. Speaking of functional JavaScript, uh, I was playing out pure script recently. Are are you mm -hmm. using? Um, oh man, it's like two weeks ago. I'm trying to remember. Uh, I got started with like a Bower uh, template of some sort. Yeah. And then after I spent like a day trying to get that working, I got it working. But then I saw somebody else had written like a pure script. I guess like package manager and project manager. Yeah. Um, I think that was Bodil that did that. Yeah. 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 What, what, what is the uh, convention? Like, is, are people using that tool or? Whenever I've, so I, I haven't done PureScript in a while now, in a couple of months, but when I last did PureScript, I definitely used Bower. Okay. I, I, I don't like Bower that much, but <laughs> it wasn't, I don't think uh, Bojo's project was far enough along for me to use, but I'm, I'm uh, Okay. Sure. Yeah, because I, I, I had to use NPM and Bower and yeah. one other package manager. <laughs> three package managers. <laughs> you need three. <laughs> I was like, there must yeah. be a better way. It it, it kind of sucks also that uh, you need to have uh, has, uh, GHC installed to to use PureScript, but that's how it is. But I did like after I got everything up and running. Uh, looking at the JavaScript that it outputted, it was kind mm -hmm. of neat to see how it. It's it's very clean. It's yeah. really good. I definitely recommend PureScript. Idris is, isn't as clean as PureScript, which is which is sad, but there's a bit of <laughs> runtime involved. So with your knowledge of types and stuff, how does it affect your day-to-day -day programming for work versus just fun stuff? I guess, <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess what I'm asking is, like, does it get in the way? Or not get in the way, but does it a lot, like, do you think differently? Do you, How do you write things differently? I definitely think differently to how I used to think. Um, you're, like, writing HTML and then you're, like, deep in type theory? It, it happens. Um, <laughs> it does happen. Um, so, like, there's an idea in the paper that describes a, a concept called parametricity. I use that all day, every day. Like, it is the best thing ever. Um, basically, it says, like, if you have a for all quantifier, so if you say, like, for all A, um, you say, for all A, I have a function from A to A. So you're saying that uh, I can, if you if if you instantiate A to be an integer, for example, or a string, um, there's only one implementation of that function uh, under the assumption that you're doing fast and loose reasoning, which means that you don't have side effects, you don't have infinite loops, uh, you don't have exceptions. Um, under that circumstance, then you've only got one implementation, and that's the identity function. Uh, that's A to A, so you can only just return the same thing that you got as an input. Um, I do that all the time, and especially with this idea called type classes, um, you can put bounds on the thing, so you can say, for all A, such that a is able to be is is a functor, for example. Then you can uh, then you can write all these functions. There's actually a really cool uh, Twitter account. It's called uh, Twitter.com/slash/parametricity. If you look at that, uh, there's some really good examples of what what parametricity gives you. And uh, knowing a little bit about types and knowing about parametricity, um, it's really really useful for my day to day stuff. The last tweet is reminder: fast and loose reasoning is morally correct. Yes, <laughs> that's. <laughs> It might sound pretentious, but it's a it's a it's a, a reference to a to a paper title called "Fast and Loose Mor uh, Reasoning Is Morally Correct." It's a really good paper, and I definitely recommend that one as well. It basically justifies that if you uh, don't use side effects, you don't use if you if you 
If you make the assumption that functions that you're calling don't use side effects, don't have infinite loops, and don't have exceptions, then uh, the properties of uh, the properties carry over to programs uh, that you know you don't you can't you can't prove it. But but if you make the assumption, you can carry it around and you can say I have this proof here. So so making the assumption of this, then I can I can I know that it's going to be correct. It's 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 a it's a paper I highly recommend. Did you want to talk about the uh, sec the the Pioneer spaceship reference pan? I just thought it was weird and awkward. <laughs> I, th I thought it was great. Um, like, I think, I mean, and I, I highlighted a few of the jokes throughout the paper, mm -hmm. and I thought it was. I think it's also interesting because it's. I feel like evidence of jokes in academic papers is evidence of humans in academia. Mm -hmm. Like it's a. That's not a like thing. it's an emergent. <laughs> it's an emergent piece of evidence. Um, All right, so bear with me. But, what was the reference in the second paragraph? Uh, it's so apparently I don't I guess I don't remember what the Pioneer spaceship is but uh, it has a plaque on it designed to communicate with aliens um, and that's actually pretty much the summary of the conclusion is uh, he basically introduces like introduces that reference and then also the reference to Independence Day saying that uh, like either images or C code um, are inferior to lambda calculus because if there are aliens obviously they will do math and thus lambda calculus is <laughs> the most likely candidate for a a universal uh, communication mechanism, which uh, the author says, we may conclude it would be a mistake to characterize lambda calculus as a universal language because calling it universal would be too limiting. That is brilliant. So. I love that. <laughs> uh, that was in the conclusion. I thought you were talking about that, <laughs> that first part. That was the conclusion. Part. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, so, and then that's that's the last line of the paper. And then the Howard on Curry Howard is about half the length of the actual paper and finishes with the sen with the sentence someone should check this. <laughs> so um, that is if you impression. hadn't read someone that part, Brian. <laughs> someone should check this. Um, which no, I, I think I, is I, a great I, way to end an academic response. That was way too long for me to read. <laughs> but it's also very academic. You like, you know, I feel like that there's the longer you're an academic, the more you end up talking and writing mm -hmm. and you can just speak and write at length without interruption yeah i can't do that because i because i was reading and i was like god don't don't you ever feel like you talk too much <laughs> <laughs> like um which is almost a comment on some of my own writing where people will say can you expand on that and i'm like this there's, there's what do you want me to expand on it's obviously clear <laughs> i said what i need to say um, other favorite highlights of the paper was I like the Einschundigung problem. Mm -hmm. I think that that's just a really awesome phrase. Can you can you describe that? Einschundigung? Because I, I actually, I remember learning Einschundigung from Duolingo, and I think that's why I have a fondness for it. So <laughs> it, means, it means decision exactly, yeah. in German. Decision yeah. problem, right? Oh, you're, you're talking about just the, right. Just the word Einschundigung, mm -hmm. because in German, when you want to invent a new word, you just take two words and put them with, together without a space. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why German is an awesome language. Um I think one of the examples was something about like pie, like flat cake or something like that. Not exactly, but <laughs> I know my husband's talked about that because he studied German in school. Um, and I, I didn't get to, I didn't get to the, the dessert section of Duolingo, so I'm not an expert on that. But for some reason, at some point during Duolingo, I learned Einschundigung. <laughs> and it means, uh, I think it also means question. Um, so like if you have like a query, like Einschundigung, I could look that up, but it's interesting. And what does so it mean to the solve paper? the decision problem. Decision so problem. yeah, so this. So I, I'm just gonna restate what I think I'm reading is that it's, uh, the decision problem is to develop a so a procedure to determine the truth or falsity of any statement. So how do you decide if something is true or false? Is the decision problem? Yes, Brian McKenna. Yes. No. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 that that was probably the worst part of the paper for me. I didn't. I I I am aware of the decision <laughs> problem, and I it, it relates to uh, the uh, what was the church's thesis. Um. Yeah. Uh. It's well. I think it also seems like that in mathematics, people go around proving all the same things all the time. And so the, I was actually looking at the first page under section two, third paragraph that said one goal of Hilbert's program. So it it seems like a lot of people have looked at the Einstein-Degung problem, mm -hmm. Einstein-Degung's problem. 
and the very creepy thing that Hilbert put, we must know, we will know on his tombstone, which I feel like is very Voldemort of him. So, uh, like, most people have probably heard about the halting problem, and this is, the halting problem is an instance of the Oh, yeah, of, of I highlighted problem, right? that. What is this? Oh, is that what it is? Well, Because uh, uh, I, I highlighted it and was like, what's that? The halting problem? Yeah. The halting problem is, uh, say, given an arbitrary program uh, on, on a ter- for a Turing machine, uh, will the program ever complete and give us, give oh, us a result, right. or will it always continue will the on? Terminate. Yeah, mm-hmm. is it a terminable right. program? Yeah. Uh, the, the halting problem is, is, is it's important, but uh, some people overstate its importance. Uh, I, don't, I think Turing completeness by itself is, is kind of overrated, um, and that we can write programs that don't have the halting problem for most of the time. Uh, like we should, we should, we should use systems that that don't have the halting problem. Idris is a, is a, is an example. <laughs> Would Haskell be an example too? No, Haskell is is definitely uh, definitely has the the halting problem. What you need is something called a totality checker, uh, which restricts your functions to making sure that they always uh, always return a result. So you have to prove to the compiler that yes, I'm going to eventually get to a result. Uh, you have to guarantee something called productivity, uh, that you're always doing some work and going towards a result that will eventually give you, give you an answer. I mean, it might, t- it might, take, like, it might take 20 years for you to get, to get an answer, but it's, it's a guaranteeing that you will eventually get an error and you're not going to just go into an infinite loop. Mm. Uh, Idris, by, by default, allows partial functions, not total functions. Um, not, not only total functions, so you can write functions that do uh, just have an infinite loop. Uh, but Idris also has a command line flag to like uh, switch it to to being to only accepting total functions, which is how I recommend running Idris. And so your functions always have to eventually get to a result. I thought it was interesting that all of them were kind of describing the same thing or approaching the same answer, but went about it differently. Um, you mean the uh, the uh, the the Turing machines, lambda calculus, and the recursive yeah, functions, yeah, yeah. all the different theories? Yeah, yeah, that's that, they're all equivalent, um, but. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you think that math now is still as cool as math then? <laughs> it's so a lot more has been figured out. Um, but I, I, just, I think I think math now is cooler. We, we know we've, we we know more, so we can do more things with it. And we probably have different problems now. Yeah, we do. We definitely do. I mean, their problems back then was uh, what's <laughs> you know <laughs> talking about the holding problem is pretty well understood now. So yeah. Now we can we can figure out what should, okay now that we've given the halting problem what what should we do about this? That's actually um, the observation of all the things kind of coming at the same time being similar was actually one of my highlighted phrases that I appreciate of evidence of humor by author uh, mm-hmm. was like buses you wait like two thousand years for a definition of effectively calculable and then three come along at once. <laughs> <laughs> like buses. They must so. have been septa back then. No, it's always buses. <laughs> this is actually, I was, when I, I don't know, during the trip to Belize, catching buses in Belize is literally you stand on the side of the highway and wait. Um, wow. And it is kind of fascinating. Yeah. That's and it works. It it's a really out, awesome yeah. system. Yeah, it's kind of like the night bus. Not the highway, but, but usually it's just at the side of the, the road. The major road. Well, yeah, yeah it's, it's like it's called a highway. Yeah. So there's no signs or anything? Nope. You just put your hand out no. and they stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they usually have special plates or like the, the buses had certain stripes because like a black stripe would go to a certain part of town or a yellow stripe would go somewhere else. Yeah, they'll have like the direction on the bus mm-hmm. often. And actually, a, other digression into the police trip was actually the one the guys we crashed with was from Trinidad, Jervon. Oh, nice. And we can chat more about that later. Yeah. But yeah, I meant to tell you. Now I've so told you. What's your day today like, Brian? Like what? What do you work on on your system? Um, so at the moment, I'm actually migrating. I'm, I'm lacking a little bit of sleep because I've been migrating a huge amount of data from uh, in Cassandra. We used to use Protobuf serialized stuff, but uh, we're migrating away from that. So we've got like a big data store full of usage, and uh, we uh, ingest raw usage. Uh, we take raw usage and we roll it up to a particular granularity. So we roll it up to hour, day, and month, and we present those to users so they can drill down and say, well, what what was my energy usage by hour? What was my energy usage by by day? Um, and we get we get quite a bit of data. We get like ten one gigabyte files a day for one customer. Um, the one gigabyte XML files, so really bad to to try and work with. Hmm. Um, actually, it's an atom feed of energy usage. It's it's very bizarre. Um, but yeah, I, I work on uh, trying to get that data into the platform and and doing computations onto it uh, and presenting it to, uh, pre- presenting it to the user is is left to another team. 
You said you're removing protocol buffers. What are you? Are you just putting it in the database, whatever the native format is? Or are you serializing something else? We're not serializing. Yeah, exactly. We're just using Cassandra's uh, native types. So okay, we have like doubles and 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 dates. Let's just use doubles and dates in Cassandra, so that we can actually use SQL to to query, and we can <laughs> we don't have to write Scala code to try and figure out things. We can just it just makes it easier, more accessible. Uh, there's a lot of teams that want to be able to access that type of data, of course, and it's just very hard to do it when it's protobuf serialized. And it was actually very poor protobuf serialization. It was like, it was, what was it? There was three fields in uh, Cassandra, and it was uh, it was a sequence of bytes, a integer, and then another sequence of bytes. So like, you, you just can't query sequence of bytes. Like, it's just so hard to query with sequence of bytes as your key. It's basically anything to anything. <laughs> With an integer thrown in, <laughs> um, yeah. So mo- most most of my work is on that. Um, it's mostly just uh, taking files from utilities, processing. Let's it's parsing the files, putting them into a database, and doing calculations on them. The calculations you're usually doing with the existing languages that you guys are using, or are you, are you using like R or something else? Oh, we're not. We're, not, we're definitely not using R. We used, <laughs> use, we used to use a little bit of that, and not anymore. Um, yeah, we're just using Scala for most of the calculations. Um, it's the calculations would be uh, rolling up to to granularities um, and comparisons is another big one. So comparing you to your previous self. So saying like last year you used up this much, and now you're using up this much. Um, and comparing to other people, so people that are like live near you or live in similar climates to you, we compare pair you so that you can figure out uh, uh, if you're using too much energy. Um, and another one we use, we compare is uh, uh, weather data. So weather, of course, impacts your energy usage quite a bit. So we take your energy usage and we compare. Sorry, you take we take your weather and compare against uh, your energy usage to say like, well, last year, last last week it was this much. There was the, the same. Uh, it was the same something called a degree day. It was the same uh, temp, basic temperature, and so you used up that much energy on that day, and so you used up this much energy on this day, and, and so you're doing pretty poor because uh, because the, the the temperature was about the same, and so you're using up more energy, and that's bad. How do you like living in Boulder? Boulder's pretty cool. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually moving back to Australia in about six months now. Oh wow! Um, but I've I've been in Boulder in two years, and it's 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 really awesome. Um, the mountains are really really cool. Yeah. Uh, being able to like do big walks up the mountains, go on big hikes. Um, also, Boulder's a pretty cool place. Um, there's uh, I think it's about a lot of tech talent there. For yeah, there's 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 a lot of startups. Um, it's actually the highest density of software engineers in the US. <laughs> Um, Google's growing huge over here, um, and there's yeah, there's definitely a lot of startups. And uh, about a third, I think, close to a third of the uh, population of Boulder is actually university students. Oh wow! Yeah, so uh, it, it it shrinks over the summer break, which is really interesting to see. Do you ski or snowboard? I have snowboarded, but only in New Zealand. I haven't been while I've been over here. Um, I really need to get up there, but I just haven't found time, which is which is sad. Wow. <laughs> Snowboarding is really fun, though. I definitely, yeah, it was really cool. You have to be prepared to hurt yourself a little bit, though. <laughs> yeah, we don't. I we, have a we, question. What's up? So, so you're, and I, I'm going to characterize you, and you can disagree as your wish. So okay. you're a, I, I'll put you in the bucket of, an, you're an industry person mm-hmm. with an interest in academic papers and work coming out of academia. Mm-hmm. What do you think of, well, what do you think of this kind of, like, of practitioners being interested in academia and what is your feel for what academia thinks of it? Um, I think it's extremely important for anyone in, in, in working in an industry, need to, they need to know about what academia is doing. Um, there's, there's like a lot of really important stuff that, that, that happens. Like, uh, um, for example, I, I remember when I just first started doing Haskell, there was an introduction of something called an applicative type class. And that came out of, uh, out of a paper that Connor McBride uh, wrote a while back. Uh, I think it's idioms, something to do with idioms. Um, and like that's dramatically changed how, how I've worked with programs like in the industry. So I think it's like really important to pay attention to what's coming out. Um, Idris is, is something that is being worked on at a university uh, by Edwin uh, Brady. And it's, I mean, it's something that we need to pay attention to. Now, I don't think it's practical to be using at work, but it's something that we should be playing around with and learning about because dependent types are interesting and we should be learning about dependent types and see how we, how we might be able to apply it in the future uh, to our jobs. Um, 
And I think, so academia, uh, it's, it's interesting because like Edwin Brady is working on Idris uh, as, as part of his, uh, you know, at a university, but he's also trying to make it a, a something uh, for, for potential industry use. He's trying to make it so that it's uh, possible to execute penalty type programs uh, without doing anything, uh, without going through huge lengths of uh, doing a lot of work to, to, to be able to do that. So I think academia actually does uh, try and, and, and be relevant to the industry. Um, a lot of people think that they're just, uh, you know, in an ivory tower doing their own thing. But um, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of good funding actually goes towards people doing things, trying to make the industry better. Where do you meet these people? I have not like met in, in the human or... space, really. So, um, so you... I haven't met uh, those two people at all. Um, but uh, I do meet some people at conferences. Uh, for example, ComposeConf, which is coming up. There's one of the people that work on Idris, and I'm probably going to meet him uh, this weekend. Uh, you have to go to the right conferences, which is which is uh, the tricky part. Speaking of conferences, I was editing the speaker list for uh, LambdaConf, mm-hmm. and then I saw your, your name yes. also editing at the same time. I was like, hey, I'm talking to the guy this week. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so that's a conference in Boulder run by uh, my uh, – when I said I worked at Precog, he was my, my boss at Precog. He was the founder of Precog. Um, yeah, so he's, he's running that. He's got, he's got his own consultancy business, and he's trying to, trying to create a conference to try and get interest in that. Um, and, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's an extremely good conference. I highly recommend going to that. And it's here, right here in Boulder, which is an awesome place to be, of course. What are you speaking on there? So I'm going to – I've been asked uh, to, to come up with something. Uh, it hasn't been specific yet. I'm thinking I'm probably going to do a workshop on Idris. Oh, which would be really cool. So um, last year I did uh, LambdaConf was on. It's it's it was on. It was it's first. Uh, it was first on last year, and um, I did an interest workshop at that, and it was it was pretty well received. Uh, a lot of people got interested in interest and started working with it, which is really cool. And so I want to do something very similar this year, but a little bit better. Nice. So if one wanted to, I guess, start playing with types or mm-hmm. languages that use types, are there like specific types of projects you would tell them to kind of? Tr- try and explore to get the full use of what types are useful for or like like a certain type of project um, or this is really interesting one that people have been talking about it's uh i call it knots and crosses what do you call it is there's a different american name for it right knots and crosses describe it <laughs> uh you get an x and you get a o and you've got a you've got oh, a table of nine tic tac toe that's the one <laughs> so it's uh describing the rules of uh, tic tac toe such that um you can't try and put a move into uh, a completed game for example if, if every square is taken you can't put a move in or if the game's already won and there's still empty move it's still empty uh cells you can't you still can't uh enter in your move so it's encoding that uh all the rules of the game, but doing it at the type system so that you guarantee that you can't uh, uh, do things that don't make sense with the game. Oh, wow. So that's a that's I mean that's really really tricky. Like, um, but if you want to, that's that's the type of thing that types can do. Um, I wouldn't recommend that as an introductory thing to try and learn types through that. But um, that there's a that's 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 an, just an example of what you can do. I've got a couple of videos online of uh, using Idris to try and improve things. I wrote a, a function that you, you're familiar with the printf function, right? Like printing the standard out, printing just standing out, but also doing uh, interpolation into the string and like making okay. sure that if you've got a percentage d, you can put an, you can put an integer in, and if you put a percentage s, you can put a string in. So I've got a video on YouTube of uh, showing how Idris allows you to have a string, but then making sure that you can only pass in an integer and you can only pass in a string, or you have to pass those things in, otherwise the code won't compile. Um, I also did a strange loop talk uh, last year, which uh, demonstrated a couple of things you can do with types. One of them is uh, my example of a uh, Doing making a string that's only full of binary numbers and converting into an actual number. Um, another one was proving the algorithmic complexity, of the, the 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 computational complexity of um of of a function. So having that the function is big O of n or big O of log n or something uh, at the type level, <clears throat> so that you can only write a function that implement that is uh that implements that 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 has that complexity. Oh wow. So there's there's a lot of things you can do with types, and we're still we're still trying to figure out how to how to how to encode lots of um, lots more invariants into into the into the into types. Do you think these will make it down to like I don't want to use like a weird word, but like most companies are doing like Java or Ruby or something for their programming, or even like Scala. Like, do you think these those kind of safety mechanisms will make it down to those kind of mass industry programmers? 
I think so. Um, it's going to be a while, um, but I think I think we'll eventually get there. Uh, there's been, like, I mean, there's been a huge shift in people learning Scala and learning Haskell mm-hmm. um, pretty recently. I think people are really interested in the idea of type type systems. Uh, I don't think a lot of people are really that familiar with them, though. Um, and we there's a lot of misconceptions of what type systems can and can't do, um, and what problems they have. Um, and that they like slow you down and things like that. Like to, for me, a type system makes it faster for me to implement things. Because like I was talking about parametricity before, if I know there's only one implementation, then it's very easy for me to implement it. I don't have to think. Um, I, there's actually a there was a really cool um, uh, GitHub uh, post. Uh, sorry, like a GitHub repo with it was just a Markdown file, I think. Um, but it was using this uh, program language called Coq C O Q. Um, which uh, described a concept called a uh, thoughtless programming, I think it was. Well, it was something like programming without thinking or thoughtless programming. Um, and it describes like how you can use types to, to describe what you want, like specify exactly what you want, and then you just implementation basically comes for free. Hmm. So I think I think the industry will start embracing after it notices that uh, that impl- that it makes you faster because it limits the the possible implementations that you have, and you don't have to think as much. But what's the balance, I guess? With this might be a silly question, but. <laughs> I feel like a certain size of project will benefit from this versus maybe like a middle size kind of startup. I mean, everyone will benefit from it, but it seems there's a lot to learn about types. And oh yeah, there's definitely a more um, there's, there's an upfront cost to, to, to doing it. But I mean, like so, yes, you have to learn things, um, which is not a bad thing. It's not it's not a bad thing. Um, you have to learn you have to learn how to use types and how to do it properly. Um, but the alternative is that you. I don't, I don't really know what the alternative is. Um, you just write stuff that you don't know as much about, I guess. Um, it might work by coincidence, but not really. Like you don't, you're not actually showing, you're not demonstrating that it's working or anything like that. And I think I think there's going to be more demand for programmers to to prove that their stuff works and that that they do what they say they do. Well, that's where testing comes in, right? Right. So uh, languages like um, Idris, you can actually write tests. Like you can you can state. Like testing is, is a very easy thing to do, right? Um, with dependent types, you can actually make it so that your program doesn't compile if types don't, if if the if your tests don't work. Uh, it's, it's very like in Idris, for example, you just put an equal sign in and you say that's a type. So you can say that one equals one, and the proof is reflexive, and then you're done. Like that's that's but that's the limit of your test. I guess the argument that I've heard mm. from people is like, uh, so you said that programmers will have to prove their programs and mm-hmm. types help that. Yep. And then someone from an untyped language might say, well, that's what my tests are for. Like, my p- tests are proving that. Well, so, so, so tests prove a, they, you're specifying that for this particular input, you get this particular output. Uh, with types, you say for all inputs, you get this is a property that holds for all outputs. Um, so you, you, you're doing a for all rather than just saying for this one example. So okay. it's kind of, tests, tests are like doing it by example, um, whereas types do it for everything. Um, but I mean, anything that you can test, you can also promote to a type very easily in dependently typed languages. So I don't really see any benefits to just writing tests. Um, you can, it's just as easy to write the types uh, in a dependently typed language. That's not true for when you're using Haskell. Sometimes it's easy to just write a test rather than to, to construct a type. It's it sometimes it's not even possible to construct a type that that specifies what your test would. Um, but I think we're moving towards more expressive type systems. And an expressive type system, we should just be using types because there's no benefits to actually having... I wouldn't say that there's no, but there's very little benefits to having having runtime tests of things. We can do it. like Because uh, because dependently type languages have... Uh, there's just one language rather than two languages. There's not a type language in the runtime language. Um, everything's uh, what you have to do is have an evaluator in dependently type language so that you can compute types, but also compute values at compile time. So what you can do is like just have your test be executed at compile time, which is really interesting. It's a really sad puppy noise. <laughs> Are you ready for picks? We can be. Ready. Anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up, Ryan? No, I'm good. All right. So I am, I just started this week. I'm still kind of debating on whether I'm going to take it, but I'm kind of defaulting to taking it this algorithms course on Coursera. Be my first Coursera of 2015 on uh, algorithms design and analysis from Stanford. Is that the part and one? And one, yes, part one. There's also a Princeton course that's also a part one. Um, but I think supposedly the difference, according to Princeton, but I I think this is what Princeton was referring to of the difference between Princeton and Stanford on this is that Princeton's course is more programming related, so you write Java. Uh, Stanford's is more math related, so you do math. 
I'm leaning in the math direction and I've like Stanford's Coursera courses as well. So in one, I thought it was just interesting uh, that one of the recommended textbooks is just available for free on PDF. And so I am picking the algorithms textbook. It is called algorithms. And I guess also the course, because that would make sense. Uh, Justin, do you have a pick? Uh, yeah, but before I do, last week I picked uh, SJS or Safe JavaScript, which was a type inference checking thing for JavaScript. That project has been renamed to Inferno. Uh, <laughs> so I just wanted to give a heads up. Uh, and then my pick is going to be uh, this thing called Launch Rocket. It is a preference pane. You can uh, you can brew install it with brew cask install uh, Launch Rocket, uh, or it's on GitHub at Jimbo JSB slash Launch Rocket. Basically, there's a preference pane that like looks at all your homebrew uh, things like Postgres, Redis, Mongo, whatever you have running, um, even like uh, boot to Docker. And it will give you a bunch of start-stop buttons and checkboxes that let you start at login. And I found that pretty useful for like bouncing between projects and like needing Postgres. Like, no, I need Redis over here. Instead of trying to remember how to start each one from the command line, I just use this now. Cool. Uh, Jervon, do you have a pick? Yeah. Um... My music pick is an artist called The Weekend without the E and the and the word end. Uh I've been listening to him. It's pretty nice music. Um and my other pick is paying it forward. So I've been helping with this little like Rails thing, Rails class, and one of the students opened a pull request on something that I own, I guess, on GitHub or have on GitHub. And I thought that was cool. And so if you pay it forward, someone will also return the favor and do something for you. So pay it forward, guys and girls. Uh, so my pick is Transparent. I finally got around to watching that on Amazon Prime. Uh, it was really good. Uh, it uh, stars Jeffrey Tambor, who is uh, George and Oscar on Arrested Development, uh, and somebody who's post-retirement going through a transition from male to female and just goes through all of her problems. Uh, it's really good. It's only 10 episodes, half hour each, so it's a very, very short binge watch. Uh, Brian, do you have a pick? Can I, can I have two? You sure. You can have as many as you want. Awesome. Um, so ComposeCon this weekend, uh, it's sold out, so you can't go, but you should go next year. Uh, it's going to be awesome. It's a conference with uh, a focus on, on functional programming, uh, specifically like Haskell, ML, F-sharp, um, and similar languages, which would be really cool. Um, I'm really excited for that. There's going to be a workshop. There's going to be a. Uh, I think the opening keynote is about uh, dependent types, which is going to be really cool. And uh, I think second day there's going to be a workshop on uh, on idrisy things. I can't remember what specifically, but some idrisy thing, which would be cool. Um, where I'll also meet uh, David Christensen, who is uh, one of the contributors to one of the main contributors to Idris. Uh, the second thing I want to mention is LambdaConf in Boulder. Uh, I'll be doing a workshop on Idris. So if you want to know about propositions as types or how to use, I'll, I'll demonstrate how we can how we can easily make uh, tests into types, and uh, and that'll be really fun. Uh, and if you want to meet me, come to Boulder. It'd be awesome. Awesome. Uh, so thanks so much for being on, Brian. Where can no people worries. find out more about you? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm Puffin Fresh on Twitter. P U F F N F R E S H. Um, you can access my blog, which I haven't updated in a while, but I will once I rewrite it in Idris, uh, brianmckenna.org. Um, and if you can, if you want to send me an email, it's brian at brianmckenna.org. Cool. Uh, so show notes are at turing.cool slash 37. Uh, follow us on Twitter at turingcool, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks, Bye. Brian. Thanks, Brian. Thank you.